You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Four words. You need to understand four words to really understand a passage that we're going to look at today, a passage that is one of the most pivotal passages in the entire New Testament and really the Bible. So if you could get out Acts chapter 10, I'm not gonna, we're going to be in it all day. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it would be helpful for you to have it out. I'll go over a few verses. We'll read some of them. I'll summarize some of them. It would be really helpful for you to have it out. So Acts chapter 10, if you could join me in that. Let me pray with us. God, thank you for this day. God, soften our hearts to what you have for us. Open our minds to what you would teach us. Help us to see. Amen. Four words, four words, four words. The first word that I want you to to know is the word common. Turn to your neighbor and say common. Good. Common just means average, everyday, ordinary. I have right here a Hershey bar. This is an average, common, everyday chocolate bar. They sell millions of these every year, and I'm guessing that those get eaten probably by some of us in this room, right? So this is a, just a, a common, everyday chocolate bar. Easy enough, right? Common, everyday things. The second word that I need you to know is the word holy. The word holy. Now, I have another chocolate bar here. This chocolate bar is from a chocolatier in Italy called Amadea. This is one of voted almost every year, one of the top one or two pieces of chocolate on the planet. It is very pure. It is the, one of the best tasting. It goes for around $165 a pound. This is not a pound. I did not pay $165 for it. I work at Asbury. Okay, so. <laughs> so, but this is interesting, right? Because even on the back of it, they, they hand number. There's only so many of these they make. They make 20,000 of these, and that's it. And this is hand, this is number 618. They hand write the number on this. It's sealed in a very, I've never opened this. I'm opening it right now before you. It's sealed. It's got this cardboard, and when you open it up, it's wrapped so finely in this kind of beautiful wrapper. And this is holy. What makes something holy? The word holy, do you know what the word holy means? It means set apart. It means something different. And so I'm going to take a bite of this right in front of you, and I don't feel bad at all. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I think I've preached. All right. So what makes it holy, what makes it so special is that it's set apart. By its very existence, it defines almost everything else. So... Is this a chocolate bar? Not really anymore, right? Like, I don't care anymore about that because I've had something that's so wonderful and holy and pure and good. Common, holy. Turn to your neighbor, say holy. Good, okay. So the next word I need you to understand is the word unclean. Say unclean. Good, okay, unclean. So to understand something that's unclean, I'm gonna open this chocolate bar. I'm not gonna do this with that other one for sure because it's too good to mess with. All right, and I have a piece of this chocolate bar here. Actually, I'm going to get a big piece off. I have a piece of this chocolate bar right here. Now, right now, it's just common, everyday, ordinary. I've touched it a little bit, so I don't know. Maybe you're picky and you wouldn't eat it. But what if I set it on this podium right here? How many of you would still eat this this piece of chocolate? 
Most of you. Now, maybe you haven't thought about it because sweaty hands have been on this, right? People who speak in chapel, they, they can get worked up and excited. And, sweat. and it could be, this is a music stand. It could be that somebody was here for a very important performance and they were really nervous before the show and they had to run to the bathroom. And I know it's hard to imagine, but maybe they didn't wash their hands and they came back and they held this. And so now this chocolate bar is touching on that spot. Still, still good to eat it, yeah? What about this? What about if I drop it on the ground right here? Oh, oh. How many of you would eat it still as on this ground? Okay, a lot of you. All right. <clears throat> some of you are thinking, some of you are thinking, you know, not that many people walk on this stage, but feet have walked, shoes have walked here, people. Do you know where these shoes have been? Like, think about some of the people who've walked out. Who knows? Like, they've been in dorm rooms. The bottom of their shoes have been in the bathroom in your hall. Some of them have been in the cafeteria on the floor or in the kitchen. What about this? I'm going to push it really far. What if I put it down on the floor over here? Now, everybody knows right here, hundreds of people three times a week walk over this spot. Do you know how many feet and who knows where they've been, the ground they've been on? How many of you would still eat this now? Much fewer hands. Some of you are disgusting. Uh, <laughs> You kiss your mother with that mouth, right? So we all have a line somewhere. Like if I rolled this in the dirt, maybe you wouldn't. Or if I dropped it in the toilet, maybe that's your line. I don't know what it is. We all have a line somewhere that says something goes from being worth eating to being unclean, right? What makes something unclean is it has something on it. Something pollutes it. Something is, that's, that's gross or dirty or, or soils it in some way. And so this that once was Maybe Abel was just common every day. Maybe now is unclean. Maybe it's dirty because it's been that way. No, you kind of get this. Everybody kind of gets the unclean. Now, one more word is the word clean. Turn to your neighbor and say clean. clean. There it is. Okay. Oops. All right, clean. So, clean. What makes something clean? Now, if I was going to eat this, I'm not going to eat this because I know where some of you have stepped. So, I'm not going to eat this. But if I was going to eat this, maybe there's a process by which I could clean this. All right? To to remove the dirt and the impurities. I have no idea what I could possibly do to clean this at this point. But, but maybe there's a way if I washed it or if I heated it up and melted it down and refined it in some way, maybe there's a way where I could remove the impurities, where I could take away the things that defile this, the things that pollute it, and make it clean at that point. And the point in part in God's, in, in, for God's people when we talk about these four terms, the point in part for things to be made clean was so that they would have all those things that polluted them removed so that they could be in the presence of the holy. So if you've had this piece of chocolate, then you know that this maybe never quite measures up. But maybe you could do enough, not to make it holy or the same as this other chocolate bar, but, but you could make it good enough to be on the same table maybe. These are the four terms we need to understand. So, Say them again really quick. What are they? Common, holy, unclean, clean. Good. Now, here's the thing. God has a mission. I don't know if you know this. God's mission is, from the very beginning, is that everyone would know him and be in relationship with him. Let me say that again because it's really important. God's mission is that everyone would know him and be in relationship with him. Everyone. And so he, early on, set a people. He chose a people to set them apart. He chose them to bless them, but he didn't just bless them so they would know the secret handshake and they would get all the privileges. He blessed them, Scripture says, to be a 
blessing. You guys know this. So they're blessed to be a blessing. Now, God wanted his people to be set apart. This is important. Stay with me. This, we'll get to the text in a second. This is important, though, because God set them apart because he wanted them to be different. He wanted you to be able to look at them and in a second realize there's something different about these people. They live differently, they act differently, they look at the world differently, and they believe differently. They have a different kind of God. The point of them being different, though, wasn't just so that they could be different. The point of them being different and to live, quite frankly, a better kind of life, the point of that was so that they could share with everyone else who God was. Now, it was important that they understood that they were different than other people, because they, had, they shared in God's mission to let the world know who God was, to let the world know that the loving God wants to be in relationship with them. Now, there were some things that God put in place that helped make them different. And so he did those things because they were better and because they would help them. So there were all these kinds of rules and laws and things they could do. Part of the provision was a provision to take something that was dirty and make it clean. Part of the laws of what God had was that God's people, if they were to become unclean, would have a provision to be clean. Now, there are a couple exceptions to this. For example, something you eat might be difficult to clean. You can't clean your insides. When I was a, when I was a young man, when I was a little boy, um, I got sick, um, went to the doctor, as most of you have, uh, was prescribed antibiotic. We went to the pharmacy. We picked up the medicine. We went home. I took it. And then not long after I had taken it, the pharmacy called my house. And they talked to my mom and they said, we have given you the wrong prescription. We have given you a medicine for people with low blood pressure. And so this could very well kill your child. And so obviously this is a big deal. You can't clean the inside of you. So they tried their best, right? They made me throw things out, right? They gave me all this weird stuff and it was terrible. And, but they had to watch me because they knew even just having that in me for just that very short amount of time, it becomes part of you, right? It starts to get into your bloodstream and it, it, it impacts you. And you know this from, for example, maybe your chapel buddy ate a lot of garlic yesterday and you smell that on them or whatever, right? You understand that what we eat becomes part of us and we can't really clean that out, and so the same is true for God's provision. When people ate unclean things, they were unclean. And so this is part of the big distinction. Now, this is really important. Stay with me here. This is part of the big distinction that for Jewish people, they ate clean food, so they were clean. Gentiles ate unclean food, and so they were unclean. Good, good. So now, what, part of what happened was this. God's people somewhere along the way lost sight of the main mission. Tell me if this sounds familiar at all. God's people lost sight of the main mission, which was to help everyone know that God wants to encounter them, that God wants to be in relationship with them. And they lost sight of that, so what they began to do was focus on the, the other things, the things that would keep them pure. What they started to focus on was the things that would preserve them and their relationship with God, and they would lose sight of the main thing, which was to reach out to others about their relationship with God. Now, we talked about the four words, holy, clean, common, unclean. Jews ate clean food, so they were... Let's try it again. Jews ate clean food, so they were? Clean. Gentiles ate unclean food, so they were? Unclean. Now here's the big trick of it. The holy 
and the unclean never belong together. And so therefore, therefore, if that's the case, God is holy, Gentiles are unclean, then the presumption for most people in Jesus' day and in the early church was this, that God would never go to the Gentiles because they were unclean. Now, to the text, if, you, if we can. If you'll turn in your Bibles there and look at verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. Now, you can just tell from his name, if you know very much, and what his profession is, that he was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. So he was what? Unclean. Very good. Verse 2. Things start to unravel quickly, though, because he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Wait a minute. What? He's a Gentile. He's unclean. But it says he was, they were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, something that the Jews were supposed to do, God's people were supposed to do, and part of expressing their, God's love for the world, and prayed to God regularly. So something is up in this story for sure right from the beginning. And then if you have your Bibles, you can read it. But quickly, uh, to summarize, an angel comes to this man, Cornelius, and says, hey, guess what? You need to know something from this guy named Simon called Peter. You need to meet him. Send, send some people to go meet him. And here's basically the address where he's staying. So immediately Cornelius calls two servants, sends them to go find Peter. Now, with the story again, about noon the following day, as they, the two servants who are going to find him, were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry, wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. For if you're not picking up on this, that means that on this sheet were things, animals that were clean and animals that were unclean. So these mix of animals comes down on the sheet in front of him. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything unpure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure or unclean, if you will, that God has made clean. This happened three times, just in case, because Peter was a little slow, we know from other passages, right? So three times, and then the sheet was taken back into heaven. Did you catch this? Peter was so concerned about being clean that he was concerned about everything he ate. Now, this vision has a little bit to do with food, but it's much bigger than just food. Because part of what God is trying to say to Peter is, you've missed the point. By your efforts in trying to protect your own purity, you have missed the point you've lost the way. Because even I showed you through Jesus that part of the mission is that God loves everyone. It doesn't matter what other people say. It doesn't matter what they've done. God doesn't care what you, your past is, if you, what you've done, what you haven't done, what other people say about you. God loves everyone. And none of those people are disqualified from encountering God. In some churches, that would get an amen. I just want to say that, okay? That, right, you're getting this, that there's no place, no people that God doesn't love and want to encounter. Thank you. And then the story goes on. 
The following day, he arrived in Caesarea, being Peter. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. So the servants showed up where Peter was. They found him. He welcomed them in, and then he goes on to Cornelius' house. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up. I'm only a man myself. I'm not that big of a deal. While talking with him, Peter went inside, found a gathering of people, and he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Not the nicest phrase. (laughs) But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Let me say it again. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Peter went into the house. You have to understand, this isn't just about like taking a few steps inside. What it means to go to someone's house in this context, if you've ever been around people with great hospitality, means that you would have gone in and you would have, they would have offered you food. They would have hugged you and touched you and asked you to sit down and be a part of things. They would have fed you some more and then they would have offered you coffee or tea probably and they would have fed you some more. There's this hospitality going on, this picture that Peter is in this presence of this Gentile, the one who just probably just a day before, he never would have considered walking into that house. And God leads him there. And do you see what he says? I'm not supposed to, normally I wouldn't be here. And I want you to see a really important word in here. You are well aware that is against our law. See, because what happened in, in that day and probably happens in our day is that we add some things on to what God has for us. Yeah? that we add some restrictions on to the way that God's really equipped and had us to be, that what we've add some things on that keep us from doing what God really invites us to do, to join him in his mission, to help everyone know that he loves them and wants to be in right relationship with them. And so the story goes on, if I can read this. Then Peter began to speak. So he basically asked Cornelius, tell me what's going on here. Cornelius tells him about the vision he had that we're supposed to get you, and here you are. And then Peter says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation, from every kind of people, the one who fears him and does what is right. Basically, he's saying this, that God is leveling the playing field. And it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter if you're special, if you're in the, but what God loves is everyone and he wants everyone to encounter him. Now, it doesn't mean that they have encountered him. You see, but accepts from every nation the one who, and it talks about this, who's basically in this relationship with God, who fears him and does what is right. That's the people that are, belong to him. But what he's saying is everyone has equal access to God. Now, the story doesn't end there. Peter starts preaching. (laughs) Basically what he starts doing is telling everyone about how Jesus is the center of this story and how he's beginning to see that Jesus is the one who brings this right relationship with everyone. And then it says this, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Do you get this? Even those people who were unclean, even those people that Peter just a day before never would have thought of going to, those people the Holy Spirit descends on. That God not only wants to, but can be and will be in right relationship with all kinds of people. Which brings us 
to us. See, we all have lines about what we think is clean and dirty. Sometimes it has to do with things like food. Sometimes it has to do with things that perhaps more ethically we are willing to embrace or not embrace. We all have lines, but the reality is this. We also have lines on the way we see different kinds of people. Let me say that again. We all have lines on the way we see different kinds of people. We all have people that we consider unclean, whether we realize it or not. For Peter, it was the house of the Gentile. Again, he never would have walked inside that house before. But here he is walking inside this house. Can I ask you this question? What's your Gentile house? Who are the people that you maybe aren't so comfortable going to? Have you ever sat down with a homeless man or woman and heard their story and shared a meal? Have you ever had a conversation, like a real conversation, with someone who's gay and heard their story and their life and what's really going on in them? Have you ever sat down and worshiped somewhere at a black church? Have you ever heard the story of a student who's a DACA student, who's, who she might be scared to death that at any moment she'll be sent out of this country, a country that she has been in her entire life. Have you ever cared for someone who's dying of AIDS? Have you ever sat down with a refugee and heard their story about how in just a moment's time they had to pack a backpack of everything they thought was important and leave everything else behind, their house, their friends, their community, their neighborhood, not knowing if they would ever come back, and then later discovering they could never go back. And heard their story about the endless steps of paperwork and places and different camps and different ways they had to, and all the times they had to fear for their lives until they finally made it to maybe this country. Have you ever had that conversation? See, we all have a people for whatever reason, we consider unclean. We, we quote this phrase often here, and we should. Be holy as I am holy. This is a phrase God utters, right? But can I say to you what it means to fulfill this phrase, be holy as I am holy, is not about protecting our purity. To fulfill that phrase, to fulfill be holy as I am holy, really is about us taking the action to bring wholeness to those who are unclean. Let me say that again. To be holy as I am holy is not fulfilled in protecting our purity. If that's all we're about, we're missing the point. Because part of what it means to, to be holy as God is holy is to extend wholeness to those who are unclean. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus himself was holy, yes? And he came to earth to that which was unclean. And we see this over and over again in the story that Dr. Tennant, who was here just a, a week or so ago, he talked about this, how these unclean people would reach out and touch Jesus. He ate with them. He went to their parties. He healed them. He touched them. He was with them, right? And was he made unclean by them? No. The holy makes the unclean clean. 
And part of our job, Asbury, is to join in what God is doing, to go to those folks who are unclean so that they can experience and encounter the holy. So the question is, will you go? Will you have the courage to ask God to open your eyes to see new things? So I want to ask you, who are you in this story? Some of you in here might very well feel like Cornelius, like you're pursuing God, you're seeking God, but everybody else is telling you, for whatever reason, your past or whatever else, you don't have enough, you're unclean, you're not worth it, God will have no time for you. Maybe that's a lie that someone told you along the way, or maybe that's something that's just kind of been echoing around your head. I'm not sure I'm good enough because of what I've done or haven't done or what other people say. I don't really know. Maybe that's you in here, and if that's you, I want you to hear this, that God is really clear. He loves you. He wants you to encounter him. He wants you to be in this place of right relationship with him. But I think most of us in this room relate a lot more to Peter Do you know who this is? This is Peter. He's one of the 12 disciples. He's one of the three people closest to Jesus when Jesus was on earth. He heard, he knew the sound of Jesus' voice. He heard Jesus teach over and over and over again. He was there when Jesus performed miracles. He went with Jesus to the home and places of Gentiles. He should have known better. He loved Jesus. He heard from Jesus. He cared for Jesus. He cut off someone's ear for Jesus. That Peter, that's who this is. And even though he loves Jesus and he's pursuing God, he misses the point. And I wonder if some of us in here might be in a good relationship with Jesus. We know Jesus, we've heard from him, we've encountered him, but maybe, just maybe, God wants to open your eyes to something bigger. Maybe, just maybe, you're missing the point too. Maybe there's some people, there's some group, there's somebody out there that God's trying to help you see. That for whatever reason before this, you've just kind of brushed them off as unclean. Maybe because of what you've been taught growing up, or maybe because of your encounters or experiences with a certain kind of people. But can I invite you to this place where you're willing to say yes to a God who calls us to join him in his mission, to help everyone know that he loves them that he wants to be in relationship with them. Mark's going to come. We're going to sing one more song here. But I just want to say this. If if, If it's true, if Jesus is who he says he is, then it's true and we should live like it. And I'm just going to hit you a little bit here, but if I can be honest, I think some of us here are playing a lot of games. We're fiddling around the edges of this faith thing and this Christianity thing. And we kind of know the stories and we know when to stand up and sit down. We know how to pray the prayers and we know how to act the part. But if we're honest, we're not really allowing God's transformational love to challenge and transform us and to be the kind of people that will go where Jesus went. To reach out with the kind of love that Jesus loved with. Will it always make you popular? It won't. Will it sometimes lead to persecution and suffering? It will. But is it worth it? It is. It is. The question is, will you go? So as we sing this last song, I'm going to invite you to stand with me if you would. Stand now if you would. And I'm going to pray for you, but I want to invite you as you sing these words, as you say these things, 
to not let them just be words that we utter in a song, but them be, maybe be a prayer for you. And maybe invite God in this moment to reveal to you this week, to help you encounter some people this week that before maybe you've not even realized it, but maybe you've pushed off as unclean and be willing to go to them with the love of Jesus Christ. God, we pray today that you would open our hearts to help us see the world as you see the world. People that you love, people that you came to earth for, that you lived for, that you died for, that you were resurrected for. God, help us to see your love. Help us to see your mission to be hands and feet of Jesus, to take the good news to these folks, even those who everyone else says doesn't belong. This is good news. This is gospel. This is the love of Jesus Christ. Will you sing with us?